Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. We wanted to load up. We wanted to change our, our bodies. And uh, we want to change some of these seats to a double wide in this theater. And we have those guys sit there. And uh, if we can get that done, I think we're going to be okay. Once again, the uh, big car, little car thing, you know, big car, you get into an accident, your car's messed up, your insurance pays for it, you walk home, you tell your wife about it, little car, you may be in the hospital. So in the game that we're playing, the bigger cars normally win. So we're trying to get as big as possible, yet still be able to run the offenses and defenses and the special teams that we, uh, we choose to run. That's an appropriate bump there, not only because it's a good tune, but uh, for our next guest, today is the greatest day. We say Merry Christmas because uh, literally uh, it's Christmas in a few days, but today, um, see, when you're Mike McAllister, you don't have to wait for Christmas because it's today. It's signing day, ladies and gentlemen, here to break it all down. The class of 2022, Syracuse football, the man, the myth, the legend, Mike McAllister. Michael, good to see you today. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. And what Dino was saying there, cars and, you know, he's he's got his unique uh, analogies, that's for sure. Uh, thanks, Dino, for the shout-out, by the way, at the presser today and bringing up uh, that I bring up your movie references a lot here. Uh, but what he said there makes sense, Mike. It felt like that the emphasis on this class was the hippos, the elephants, the big cars, the, the players in the trenches. Was that your takeaway from what we're seeing here for the class of 2023? I should say. I said 2022. 2023. Yeah, and, and not only... I, I think it's not only with the high school prospects, but with the portal targets as well. The, the fact that they've gotten uh, one offensive lineman and one defensive lineman, so half of their portal uh, additions so far are a- along the lines of scrimmage. And then, you know, two-thirds approximately of uh, – half to two-thirds approximately of their high school um, and junior college additions are – Along the line of scrimmage as well. So it was very clear that that was a huge focus this offseason. They wanted experience. They also wanted youth and, and potential. And they wanted size. And they clearly felt that last year there was an issue with size up front along both lines of scrimmage. That was a big weakness and tried to do what they could to reshape the roster to address that issue. Speaking of players in the trenches, you win some and you lose some. Syracuse lost one today. Vincent Carroll Jackson, three-star lineman from... Pennsylvania flipped his commitment on signing day to Nebraska. I would imagine Tony White had something to do with that, but what can you tell us about him? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Syracuse liked him as um, uh, an offensive lineman, but Nebraska is recruiting him as a defensive lineman. Mm -hmm. He also had offers from Florida and Georgia and some other schools in uh, the last few weeks leading up to signing day, and uh, most of those were a defensive line, but Syracuse actually thought that his ceiling was higher at the offensive line spot, and that's where they recruited him. So even though, you know, he he committed to Syracuse after Tony White had left, but that really wasn't a factor because of where Syracuse was recruiting him. Now, uh, Tony Tony White's out in Nebraska and starts recruiting him to try to flip him. He's trying to pitch that his defensive system is a better fit for his long-term potential to turn pro, all of those things. And obviously it worked. Now, notable in this is, He was only committed for about a week, so he commits to Syracuse after an official visit, says, my recruitment's over, I'm not taking any more visits, takes another visit anyway, 
Um, all of the tea leaves pointed to his decision today uh, being with Nebraska. But uh, during his ceremony, he actually spent a few minutes talking about the importance of keeping promises and then proceeds to make a decision that is essentially the opposite mm-hmm. of that. But he did the old take out the Syracuse hat, throw it to the ground, and then pull out the Nebraska hat and say, well, just kidding, I'm going to Nebraska. That was, uh, that was the way he chose to make that announcement. And, you know, Syracuse lost one of its, exactly. Syracuse lost what was considered one of its more highly regarded prospects in its class, but uh, I think they'll be able to recover from that. As we mentioned, they have a, a plethora of offensive and defensive linemen in this class. Okay, Mike, here's what everybody's been waiting for. The breakdown of Lonnie Rice, the linebacker. No, I'm talking about Lenora Sellers, of course. Now, Wednesday, <laughs> no offense to uh, Lonnie, he'll probably end up being like a you know four-star, you know, All-American. All-American. Exactly. You're welcome. Drastic. You're welcome, buddy. Uh, let's talk Lenoris here because uh, I guess the good news is he didn't commit today. He has put off his commitment to Friday. Originally, he was going to put in the commitment but not tell anybody what it was until Friday. Now, we're not even going to find out until Friday. So I guess that's good news, question mark, maybe, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a Syracuse fan, listen, all the tea leaves and all the whispers are still pointing towards South Carolina having an edge. Um, If you are a Syracuse fan holding out hope and looking for a silver lining, I think the fact that he didn't actually sign today is what you're looking for to grasp at hope that he will still pick Syracuse. Now, the, the one thing I'll say about this, even though everyone is still expecting him to pick South Carolina, this is recruiting, and things are never final until they're final. And even after they, things have, you know, you've signed the sheet of paper and you're officially official, you still can enter the portal or renege on your NL, NLI and, you know, tell the school, I don't want to come, let me out of it. There, so nothing is ever really final. Right. But... So things can change tomorrow in five minutes, and you're dealing with a teenager. So their minds change all the time as well. So if you're a Syracuse fan hoping that something happens and things end up going your way, I think this little nugget, the fact that he's not actually signing today, even though he was originally planning on it, and is instead going to sign and announce both on Friday, I think that gives you a tiny bit of hope that perhaps Syracuse trying to get him back is maybe working that relationship with coach Beck and coach Babers that perhaps their messaging and their attempts to recruit him and get him back as part of their class at least had enough of an impact to cause him to, you know, sort of take a step back, relook at everything and go from there. And, you know, this, this recruitment has been very interesting. This is essentially um, his loyalty to Coach Beck and to um, the Syracuse coaches, but specifically Coach Beck, who's been recruiting him for years, was really the only coach that stuck with him when he had a bad injury that cost him his junior season versus location of South Carolina. That's their primary push is come here. You'll be closer to home. Your friends and family can see you play. If you go there, they can't. That's essentially what we're what uh, Syracuse is up against here when when you're looking at the recruiting battle. I think it's noteworthy. They weren't even in on him until, like, what, a month ago, it seems. And right. like, Jason Beck put in all that time. You mentioned it. Stuck with him through the injury. Put all this time and effort. Syracuse didn't go heavily after any other quarterbacks here. And now we're just all waiting on bated breath Friday. So 
if Syracuse gets bad news on Friday, what's the next move? Because remember, this is early signing day. There's still a couple months left in this cycle. That's when you have to rely on your talent evaluation. And that's when the Syracuse coaches, Coach Babers and Coach Beck, are going to have to look at film of any prospect who is either uncommitted or committed but didn't sign during the early period and reevaluate them and see if they think any of them are good enough to play at Syracuse. If not, then maybe you look at a junior college quarterback who's only been there for a year and so he's got three years of experience or three years of eligibility left. Maybe, um, you know, I think a transfer portal quarterback is probably out of the realm of possibility because they see the guys that Syracuse has behind Schrader in Lampson and Del Rio Wilson. And do they really want to get involved in a log jam there where if they don't win the job, not next year, but the year after, their hopes of ever playing in college football are essentially over at that point. So I don't think a transfer quarterback is realistic, uh, but, you know, they're, they're going to have to dust off the evaluator and get out there, look and see who's available and see if you can find a diamond in the rough or an under-the-radar kid who got missed by a bunch of players. And, um, you know, Syracuse did that once and ended up with an Eric Dungy. So you, you never know who you're going to end up finding. Mike and Mike McAllister joining us here, folks, of course. Uh, check them out, allsyracuse.com, and on Twitter for all the latest on Syracuse recruiting, especially today with signing day, early signing day in the books here, but portal movement and all those things that uh, Mike reports and does such a great job following all there for you. I know what the rankings say. I want to know where you rank this class, Mike, both uh, ACC and where you would put it nationally. Well, I mean, it's it's tough for me to say where I'm going to put it nationally and in the ACC just because I'm not as entrenched into all of their players and how they fit and whatever. This is this is what I'll say. A vast majority of Syracuse's class has their Power 5 offers. When you compare this class to prior year's classes, I think they've done a really good job of targeting the Northeast, specifically New York State. I know there have been some who have been a little disappointed in Syracuse's efforts in state. And so the fact that um, oh, it looks like Syracuse actually just signed a transfer punter. It's uh, oh, this, this is actually literally breaking news How about right, this? right now. Let's just go. Got a tweet, uh, from Syracuse football that uh, Jack Stonehouse, Missouri transfer punter, um, is is picking Syracuse. Now, so, I, I want all my punters to come from Australia. I'm sorry, he's gonna have to go back. He's I know. I mean, last, that was fun last year, honestly. When all of a sudden, <laughs> out of nowhere, there's a tr- there's a punter signing from Australia. Exactly. Um, well, there you go. See, Cruton never stops, even during this stops. conversation. It never stops. So I'm evaluating it and saying, where did they did they hit their needs? And we know that offensive and defensive line were big needs for Syracuse. So yes, they hit those needs. Number two. Um, did they land prospects that other Power 5 teams wanted? And the answer to that, again, is yes. And you look at the transfer prospects that they got. They came from big-time programs, Notre Dame, Alabama, Nebraska, uh, being three of them. They grabbed an FCS offensive lineman who had other Power 5 opportunities. And then you look at what they did at the junior college ranks, and they got a center, and I think center's been the weakest link along the offensive line the last couple of years, and they grabbed a center who had an offer from Oregon and some other power fives. So I think they did a really nice job. I think the big thing is how this class is going to be remembered, I think is largely going to be dictated on what Lenora Sellers does. If he ends up sticking with Syracuse, I think you feel really good about where this class is. you got your quarterback. 
You addressed some needs in different positions. You're filling gaps that you lost in the portal with other portal players of similar eligibility and stature, perhaps you know more highly touted recruits coming out of high school. And then, you, you know, so that kind of shapes everything. But if you lose sellers, then I think a lot of people are going to look at this and say, you lost sellers and Vincent Carroll Jackson, your two highest rated recruits by most of the recruiting services on signing day. So even if you hit a bunch of needs and got a bunch of players that could be good contributors and help your program, there's a lot of people that are going to look at that as a negative. So a lot of how this class is viewed overall could be dictated on what Lenora Sellers ends up doing. Okay, Mike. Now, you, that, you think you make a good point with the class and how it's going to be defined. Obviously, what these players do down the road will define them as well. Dino Babers even brought it up today. You know, Sean Tucker was fifth on the depth chart and just guys that weren't Matthew Bergeron was a project, turned into a guy who's now in the NFL draft. So who are the names that pop to you in this class that you think could be in line for the next Tucker, the next Bergeron. I know that's heavy expectations there, but you know who are some guys you followed all along here and, and you just really like coming in? I'll tell you the number one guy, and he's not a sexy position. He's a defensive lineman, but I've liked him from early on in the recruiting cycle um, as you know a huge get for Syracuse. He's an in-state prospect. I think he's a major steal. I think he is underrated by most recruiting services. And that's Richard Perry out of Buffalo. If you just look at him, look at some of the photos of him, he looks like he's already a junior in college. I mean, he, he really does. He's, he is built. He just is a, a physical specimen. You remember when Paul Harris came to Syracuse and he looked like he had been in college for mm-hmm. multiple years already as a true freshman. Richard Perry has that exact same look in terms of his physique, et cetera. He is, you know, 250 pounds or so and looks like he could easily add another 20, 30 pounds without really changing his body dynamics too much. And he's extremely explosive. As a junior playing defensive tackle, he had 120 tackles and 25 sacks, led New York State in sacks. I mean, he, he is a relentless pass rusher. He's extremely athletic. He is really strong at the point of attack. I think he has a chance to make the two deep as a true freshman. And I think he, he has the potential to be a star defensive lineman that in two to three years you're looking at as someone who could leave for the NFL early or you're hoping that one of these big schools doesn't try to pull away with an NIL deal through the portal. Michael, we always appreciate your time and your efforts here. It's not over. We'll see what Sellers does on Friday. The portal is still wide open. This is uh, part one of three, as Dino Babers brought up today. So we'll see what the sequel and part three bring down the road here. But appreciate your time. Go get some sleep. I know you've been up since probably like 5 o'clock in the morning tracking all this stuff. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours, my friend. Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. And before we sleep, we have to go talk to a punter. So it's it's always good when you get to do that. That's 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 how you end the day right there. To, that's right. Talking to Jack Stonehouse. That's a name. What right a there. name. That sounds like a, a that's coming soon on Hulu. Jack Stonehouse. That's fantastic. That's good. I love- Thanks, Michael. There's uh, Mike McAllister, ladies and gentlemen. You know where to find him on Twitter, allsyracuse.com. He's got all the crew and stuff for you. Yeah. How about that? While we're chatting, Jack Stonehouse. That's a name for it. He was uh, fifth in net yards in the SEC last year at Missouri. Missouri! We got the Emily Liker special here. Taking punters from Missouri.
There we go. So adding names uh, throughout the day. Jaden Gold uh, got certified five minutes before Dino Babers took the podium today. So while we have a list of names and have a sense of what the class of 2023 is, uh, it is certainly a fluid situation right now. And yeah, that Lenora Sellers thing is, look, I think it's South Carolina trying to save face. They weren't recruiting him. Beamer got shamed into recruiting him because Jason Beck's good at his job. Jason Beck and Robert and I at the time at Virginia identify sellers. They get a commitment from sellers. They stick with sellers through injury, which I actually asked Dino Babers about today at signing day. Here's what he said about that. I had David Clement in mind, who's a tight end, because you know how Uncle Brent feels about those tight ends. That's, that's that, No, no, that's not what we mean. About, no, stop. That, that's not. Get your mind out of the gutter. Come on. What do you, that's hot. Guys, come on. No. The football position. 6'6", 265, big target out of Albany, CBA in Albany, but he got hurt. And that was curious about that. I asked Dino about that today. What's that process when you see a player get injured? It's part of football. Some schools walk away from those guys, but Dino says we don't do that here. Since I've been here, I said that anybody that commits to us and they gets hurt during their year, that will honor the scholarship. That's not, that is not written. That is something that has to be done by the head coach and the university and the athletic department. And it's different at different places. Other places will pull off, back off, and, and take back their commitment, which is their right. But that's, that's, that's not something that we would do. Syracuse stuck with sellers. Through that, Jason Beck stuck with him through the injury, right? Right up until about a month ago when South Carolina starts coming hard. There's an all-star game between North Carolina and South Carolina, and Sellers has got a couple of players in that all-star game committed to South Carolina in his ear. The coaches at South Carolina in his ear telling him to stay home, stay home. They're talking to the family. You won't be able to see Lenoris play up in Syracuse. I mean, recruiting gets dirty. And it feels like, from what I've heard, South Carolina has brought out all the stops here, and they're not selling their program. They're not selling him as the face of South Carolina football. They're just trying to keep him from coming here and to lose out on a player at 2,000 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing, and the pride that's there to say, we can't let him go up there. To We can't let him go up there north of the Mason-Dixon line, you know what I mean? When Syracuse has been there all the way. So, look, as Mike said, you're dealing with the mind of a teenager here. It's a fluid process. Players can change their minds. They have every right to change their mind. I'm not saying Lenora Sellers' verbal commitment locks him here, but I think you've got to look at who recruited you, who stuck with you, and why versus why South Carolina wants you. They want you to save face. They want you for all the wrong reasons. Syracuse wants you for all the right reasons. Syracuse wants you because of everything they've done to this point. And there's something about a relationship. By the way, does South Carolina have a coach on their staff that's developed NFL talent that turned even Garrett Schrader from a 53% completion percentage up to 65%? Does South Carolina have an offensive coordinator on their staff who has – coached Bryce Perkins, who has coached Taysom Hill, who has coached... I'm not going to give you Jason Beck's resume. You know that. Let me answer that for you. The answer is no. What South Carolina has on their staff is a failed coordinator. Time and again. That's what they have. And they have a coach who's trying to save face. That's what they have. 
So I hope, at the very least, Lenora Sellers keeps that in mind when he makes his decision on Friday. And don't do the dopey hat thing either. The dopey hat thing is, it's just, come on. I thought kids are watching TikTok videos all day. Aren't they more creative? They're still doing the dopey hat thing? Come on, come up with something new. On that note, we will break. We will come back and listen to a couple more things Dino said, continue this conversation, react to signing day. We can get back on the basketball front. You've got some thoughts there at 437-7644. The blind side awaits. we got more to do. Don't you go anywhere.